scripture Bibles, please take them out. And um, I, I don't know whether when you see the scripture, you think to yourself, oh man, we're back here again. We're back here again. But yeah, the Bibles, Philippians 1 verse 23. And this is what it says. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Another translation puts it this way. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. No, now we're here again. Philippians, we've been, we've been on this topic for a while, especially this topic that we have to continue addressing, the topic of death and life. I wonder whether it's getting a little bit boring for you, or it's even getting more exciting, because this is a topic that you and I cannot ignore. The topic of the subject of life and death is a subject that we cannot ignore. It's a reality in our lives. Every single one of us will be faced with it. In fact, we are faced with the fact that we are alive. That is true. But one day we'll be faced with the fact that we are going to die. And so we cannot ignore this subject. We have to be aware of it. We have to face it, whether we like it or not. Now, as Paul has, has been writing this book, I am convinced... I know that the word says that he is he's writing to the Philippians to try and encourage them whilst he's in prison. A man bound, his freedom of move, movement is bound, but yet he's encouraging those who are not bound, not shackled. But I am convinced that as he wrote this word through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, he was actually encouraging himself too. He was actually encouraging himself. He was writing to encourage himself. He was in prison. He has a man who's been serving God, doing all sorts of things for the kingdom of God. But he's thrown. He's in a, in a place that he doesn't understand how it's going to work out. If you're in that place, I think you'd also be encouraging yourself. God, I don't understand. But I know your truth. I don't understand how this is uh, going to work out, but I know the, the, the character that, you, that is found in you, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the God that I serve. And so I'm writing to the church that I'm trying to encourage, but at the same time I'm encouraging myself because I am human. I need that encouragement. I need to know what I believe and stand for. I would imagine that he realized that... Um, this was his life. He's thrown into prison. Is this the end of it? Will this be the rest of his life? He will be locked up. I know that the commentators say it was more of a, a house arrest. So not like modern day prison where we are in prison. Uh, regardless, he was still in prison. His freedom of movement was um, hampered. It was, it, it was, um, he wasn't free. And so he had to think about this. He had to realize that, hey, this, this, this could be me. I could be spending the rest of my life on earth here with these people in this pr prison setup. 
with the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe he asked himself, what is the point of my life? I, the great Paul, as it were, what is the point of my life? I have preached the gospel. I have proclaimed the good news to the, the Gentiles. I've, I've gone into all sorts of places. I've believed and I've done the things that God has called me to do. But I'm in prison. What is the point of my life? He had to have this um, um, discussion in his head. I would imagine that he was asking himself, what is the essence of my life? What is the essence of my life? I'm in prison. God, I'm in prison. How? Why? What? What good am I? In fact, what good am I here in prison? How is, it gonna, how is your kingdom going to, how is your word going to go forward? How is it going to move forward? I'm in prison. I'm bound. How is this going to work? What good am I? In fact, I wonder whether you had this question. What am I living for? Poor, prison, can't do much. Lord, what am I living for? What am I living for? Have you had those thought questions in your life, in all honesty? As I often said, you can lie to me and others around you. Can't lie to yourself and God. Have you had those questions? Do you perhaps have those questions now? Currently, what is the point of life? What am I living for? It would seem as though Paul did not, um, he was not exempt from the things that we are going through. He was as human as you and I are today. He, he must have had this discourse in his, in his mind, in his heart, as we read from the beginning of this book, this joyful book, asking, what's the point? Why? How? This is where I'm at. I don't understand. I don't see the, the bigger picture. I don't see the end. And then as he writes this book to encourage the church, he is encouraging himself. And then he comes to this conclusion in verse 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he works through the whole um, chapter 1 from verse 1 through to verse 21 and he comes to this conclusion. To live is Christ and to die is gain. This conclusion, I believe, every born again believer should apply to their lives. So for you and I this morning, this is the conclusion of our lives currently. That we are here, we are faced with life. Situations are thrown at us. But actually, we need to come to this conclusion to live is Christ and then to die is gain. How does, it, how does it look like? God will show us through his word. How does it look like for you to live is Christ? God will show you as we engage as, uh, together as a community. So in verse 21, as I said, he starts off by saying to live is Christ. He's worked through God. What is, my, what is the point of life? Why am I here? How is this going to work out for your kingdom? Uh, how is the gospel going to move forward? I don't know. But I, uh, I come to this conclusion through the help of the Holy Spirit. To live here on earth is for Christ. And when I die, it will be gain for me because I will be with him who I'm living for here. And then verse 22, he says, but if I live in on the flesh, this will mean fruitful 
sorry, fruit from our labor. Labor. And I know when I hear, when I speak of the word labor, um, we almost want to cringe. I don't want to work. No, no, he says, yeah, if I live in, uh, in the flesh, this will mean fruit from our labor. So there's work to be done. There's work to be done. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. Verse 23, which will be concentrating uh, on this morning. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. At this point, Paul was faced with a dilemma. He had a desire to be with Christ in eternity. The better of the two options. The apostle had the desire to continue to have a, a, um, an effective ministry in time. And in this verse, he gave the first side of this dilemma. He starts off by saying, For I am hard pressed between the two. Paul was in a squeeze. He was in a moment where he was, uh, you know, is the word hustling or he, he, was, he was fighting. He was trying to understand. He was trying to reason. I don't know what to do. I'm in a squeeze. Uh, he was um, pressurized in his mind. He had some sort of pressure. I want to leave and go with Christ. Be with him who loves me. But actually, there's work to be done here. For the sake of my community, for the sake of what God has called me to do, I have to remain here. I need to remain here. But actually, I want to be with him because it's better to be with him. His was a pressure of two excellent options. To have full fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, to have a pro- or to have a productive ministry on earth. He perceived death from two viewpoints. One, a departing, and two, being with Christ. Starts off by saying, I, I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart. The word depart is used in a navigational term. It's... Um, uh, you know, a ship or a plane in our modern day understanding departs a certain airport or place. A loosing of the anchor before set, setting sail is what the, the terminology is used. 2 Timothy 4.6 uses the same term with the same root. The time of my departure is at hand. In other words, his death was imminent. Death is actually an embarking upon a voyage. It is to leave the body. So death is more than leaving this life. It is a separation from the body. I have a desire to leave this body. This Someone um, says... The soul and spirit do not remain in the body at death. They leave the body. You know, when the Christian goes to a graveside uh, uh, to, to look upon their loved ones who were on earth and now they're no longer, we, don't, we go there, but we know that actually that person is not there. We see people taking flowers to celebrate the, 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 that person. But, but you don't go there because they're there. They're not there. They remains, uh, not, they're not there. The body which is now there 
being eaten up uh, you know, from dust to dust. But actually you're going there to remember this loved person. Because you know that when you and I die, we are um, present with Jesus Christ. We're not, we're not on, uh, left on the earth. We're not left here on earth. And that's an interesting statement because we do. We do. Um, someone said of, of, I don't know if someone said of, read of, heard. It's funny how we celebrate people when they're dead. We celebrate people more when they're dead than when they're alive. Why is it? Why do we do that? Why can I celebrate you now that I can see you and I can tell you, Amen, I love you. Why do I wait until you die and then I go right on the last little something? Oh, this person was amazing. He was amazing. I loved this person. Yeah, wonderful. Why don't you tell them that while they were alive? Same for me. It's not like it's just you. It's, it's me as well. You know, we tend to remember people, don't we? But the fact of the matter is we need to celebrate each other whilst we're still alive. Whilst we're still alive. So Paul continues here. But he says, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. This is the second description of death. It is one thing to visit a friend. It is another thing to live with him permanently. It is one thing to fellowship with the Lord Jesus. It is yet another to fellowship with him perpetually. Heaven is to be with Christ. And that was Paul's desire. It was his yearning. It was his longing. Whilst he was still here on earth, in prison, bound, whatever the case might be, his yearning was actually on to be with Christ, the one that I'm preaching about, the one who gives me life, the one who's given me the opportunities to, opportunities to live this life. My desire is to be with him. I yearn to be with him. I long to be with him. He wanted to be in conjunction with Christ. Then he goes on and says, which is far better. Being with Christ is far better. It is far better for a Christian to uh, die than to live. Am I allowed to say that? It's far better for a Christian to die than to live. As I said, we're speaking about life and death. Uh, I'm sorry if it's a little bit... Death is a reality, but it's better for us to die. <laughs> it's better for us to die than to live. Although a few of us believe that. Us as Christians, we, we don't necessarily always believe that. In this verse, Paul said that the gain of verse 21, to die is gain, is far better. Not just better, he says it is far better. Far better. See, to be absent from the body for the believer is to be present with the Lord. Not present with those worms in the graveside. It's not to be present with Jesus Christ. It should give us a tremendous excitement, something to look forward to. 
The man poured in prison, doesn't know how life is going to work out, doesn't know how the gospel is going to move forward. He is bound. He says, actually, to die, I know, is more beneficial for me because I'm going to be with my creator. I'm going to be with my maker than being here on, on earth. It is far better because the soul departs the body at death and goes into the presence of the Lord Jesus. All these things that we've been living for as Christians, all these songs that we've been singing and praising, all these things, one day will, it'll be a reality. No longer we will need faith. We will be with him. So what does this all mean for Paul? Paul is sure that he will be kept alive until his work is done. That's why he says, I desire to be with Christ, I desire to go, but actually, uh, you know, to die is gain, to die is gain, to live is Christ. While I'm here, there's the work for me to, to, that God has called me to do. We can apply the same point to our lives, that we will be kept alive until our work is done here on, on earth. God has a plan for you and I. He says in Ephesians 2.10, which is a very encouraging scripture, as most scriptures are. In fact, as all scripture is, your good works are foreordained by him. He is preordained. He has gone ahead. He's gone ahead and prepared good works for you and I to uh, walk into. Remember I said, when I say the word labor, there's work to be done. Some of us cringe, including me, because I don't really want to work for nothing. I want to work for something. Uh, Paul, uh, scripture says here in Ephesians that God has gone ahead and prepared good works for you and I to walk into. And when you walk into that work, it doesn't become laborsome. It becomes joyful. It's joyful. It's easy. Yes, someone will try to shake the boat a little bit, but the boat keeps on going because God has a plan. He's already gone ahead. One of my favorite preachers said this, made this statement, which I've grabbed on. He said, our future is in God's past. Our future is in God's past. He's been there already. He's prepared. He's foreordained. He's predestined. How exciting is that? That whatever we're walking into, it's, he's been, he's, he's there. <laughs> he's done it already. We need not worry. I don't know why we worry. He's there already as long as we trust in him. See, Paul knows that if God keeps him alive in prison, it is for a purpose. Do you know that for, for yourself, whatever the situation you find yourself, God has kept your life alive. It's for a purpose. Don't know what the purpose is, perhaps, but it is, there's a purpose. And you too are going to stay alive until your work is done here on earth. Unless you become totally rebellious, Paul will prefer to go to heaven, but thinks he will not die. He knows that the Philippian church needs him, he, they need his encouragement. He knows that the, 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 the prisoners need to hear the gospel. There's still fruitful labor 
preordained, predestined for him to walk through, even though it doesn't look as though it is. He's in prison. He's bound. The age that you have reached at the time of your going to heaven actually does not matter. What matters the most is the work that you have done for the Lord and whether you get to fulfill your task here on earth. Only only great rebellion causes a Christian to die prematurely. It can happen, but it doesn't have to. Why do I say this? Scripture tells us in 1 um, Corinthians 11 verse 30. Remember, God is the one who chooses where you were to be born. You didn't choose, your parents didn't choose where you, you, when we were going to be, your birthday that we celebrate. It wasn't your choice, it wasn't your parents' choice. Yes, they had a... It was God. He decided, he chose what um, date you'll be born. He decided what year you'll be born. He decided what generation you'll be a part of. It was him. Because he has predestined, he has foreordained stuff for a life for you to live. A life for you to, uh, for you and I to live. It is him who decided where we are to be born. Where we are to live. I used to always complain. Some of you might, might know. I am a Kenyan by birth. And uh, I am in business. And this country is quite excited about the BEE sector. You know? BEE. And um, the fact that I'm not uh, South African by birth hampers me from gaining the benefits of BEE. And I used to complain and say, God, why wasn't I born an Nkosi? Why? <laughs> why am I Joe? Why not Nkosi? If I was Nkosi, I would be, I would be benefiting from these, from these things. But God knew. He knew why he called me to be, why he chose that I'd be born in Kenya. And then he also knew why he chose for me to come to South Africa. To meet you lovely people. He knows the day that you will die. He is the one who's in control. <laughs> he also knows how you will die. God knows it all. He does. A confidence should be in him. Paul concluded that in all of this, and this is only the beginning of Philippians 1, there's still a whole... Um, three more chapters to go through. Oh, there's a whole Bible to go through as God opens it up to us. Paul concluded this. This was his conclusion. The aim of life is to serve God with fruitful labor. The aim of your life, my life, is to serve Him who's given you your life, our lives, with fruitful labor. Regardless of what life brings our way, our aim should be to serve him and see fruitful there because he's gone ahead, he's prepared. It's, it's already done. We just need to walk into it. Regardless of the difficulties of life, the disappointments of life, regardless of the heartache of life, or the lack that we may experience in life, 
the aim of life, as per Paul, was to serve God with fruitful labor. What is your aim of your life today? In all honesty, what is your aim? What is your aim? Paul expects to live so as to be involved in some more fruitful labor. He expects to be fruitful for God. He is ready to go to heaven, but meanwhile he is laying up treasure in heaven all the time. As we see, as we've just read here, in verse 23, he would like to go there soon. In fact, if he had a choice, Paul would rather go to heaven and be with Christ. But he says, actually, there's fruitful labor for me that has been prepared in advance, before, our, before the foundations of the universe were put in place. God says he knew you and I. He knew us by name. What kind of God knows the very number of, of hairs on our head? This big majestic God who's created everything, yet he knows the number of hairs on your head. How personal is he? He knows all the things that you, all the ups and downs that life throws at you. And the reality for you and I as Christians, is that we shall never be truly fulfilled in life unless we find out the way in which God wants us to serve Him. We shall never be satisfied unless we find out what, how God wants us to serve Him. Paul in prison, in that state, was fully satisfied in God. He wasn't out on holiday in freedom. Uh, even if he was there, he wouldn't be fully satisfied. And it's the same for you and I. If we do not know how God wants us to serve him, we'll always have a lack. We'll, something will always be missing. We need to spend time in God's presence, asking him, Father, how would you have me serve you? You've decided where I'm to be born. you decided when I'm to be born. You've decided my life. And you have decided the day that I will leave this earth and be with you physically. So in the meantime, how am, I, how am I to serve you? How am I best to live this life? And it's not a selfish statement. I want my life to count for something. What is it? What is it? What is it for you? What is it going to count for? God has fruitful labor for all of his people. It is not just a matter of preaching. Each Christian has a place of service in the people of God. So there are people who need you. Because God has already arranged that it be that way. There are people who need your, your expertise. There are people who need, in fact... People don't necessarily need your expertise only and your gifting. People need your love. 
People need your love. People need to be challenged in inverted commas out of a place of love. Not out of a place of hatred or just want to get back. No, no, out of a place of love. Like Jesus, who is a perfect example. He who had everything did not um, compare what he had. He became human. He became like us to be with us, to show us his love, to win us back over to God the Father. So I ask you again this morning, what is your aim of your life? Remember that statement that teenagers use today, or young adults? YOLO. You only live once. And it's true. We only live once. So let us live this life to the glory of our King. The one who's given us life. The one who's enabled us to be here. Whatever life throws at us, because things will be thrown at us. Man, may our confidence and our, our determination be to please him who's above it all. And let me say this categorically. It is not a case of you have more and I have less. Or I have more and you have less. And because you have more, you must now feel guilty because I have less. No, no, you must enjoy what God has given us. God has given you an ability. Enjoy that ability. But then enjoy it um, to, to his glory. If he's given me, let me enjoy what he's given me. I'm thinking of, a, of runners among us here, you know. Run, lean, run. It's good for you. God has allowed you to do that, you know. They are teachers. They are construction people, yeah. Insurance, I don't know. There's a whole variety there are certain individuals here who are good, you know, preachers among us, you know, physios among us, or something, I don't know. God has given us all something. <laughs> there are aunties and mummies, and God has given us stuff. And so my call to us this morning from this scripture is um, let us ask God to help us enjoy the life he's given us, the things that he's given us, the team who's given it to us, let us enjoy them, but for his benefit, for his glory, for, not, no, sorry, not for his benefit, for our benefit, but for his glory. For his glory. You are not me and I'm not you. We are unique in the way that we are being created. YOLO! You only live once. To God be the glory. Father, thank you for your most holy word. Thank you, Lord, for your encouraging word. Thank you, Lord, for this life that you've given us. This life that you have ordained. You've predestined things for us, God. Thank you for that statement, Lord, that our future is in your past. So we can hold on to you, Lord, who you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, we can hold on to you. Firm find we can hold on to you, God. I ask Jesus that you'd help us to be truly satisfied, to be fulfilled as we work out how to serve you best. And our life aim should be to serve you, to serve you with fruitful labor. 
Help us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen.